Welcome to the Worshipped Woman Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Kristen. I am a life and relationship coach, deep healing facilitator, and subconscious change expert. On this podcast, we will dive deep into personal growth, transformation, and relationships, releasing patterns of toxicity, codependency, and people-pleasing as we explore what it means to be the worshipped woman. If you are ready to heal, embody your worth, and raise your standards in life and love, you are in the right place. I am so happy to have you here. Now, let's get started. Hello, sisters. Welcome back to the Worshipped Woman podcast. It has been quite a while. Took a break for the summer months. Um, Definitely enjoyed taking a step back a little bit, taking some time off from the podcast. And I'm super happy to be back here with you. I hope that you enjoyed your summer, at least for those of you listening in the Northern Hemisphere. And I am so excited to be back in your ear today with a special guest episode. And if you are somebody who has ever really thought of yourself as codependent, um, questioned whether you had codependent tendencies, or maybe don't even associate with that word, but feel like, man, you know, something happens in my relationships. I don't really stand up for myself. I don't have the best boundaries. This episode is going to be for you because I am talking to Cheryl Feidelman, who is known as the Conscious Codependence Coach. And she really knows her stuff when it comes to codependence, what it is, how it shows up, and how to recover from it so that you can live life more aligned in your truth with who you really are. And for those of you who are in the Worshipped Woman membership, a very, very, very special treat, you are actually going to have Cheryl as your guest teacher for this month, September of 2023. I really cannot wait for you guys to be able to experience that. And those of you that um, show up live to the class inside of the membership will get to interact with Cheryl, ask her questions. So if you're listening to this as a little bit of a precursor and you want to dive in to it, that'll be the chance for you to do that. And if you're not a member of the Worshipped Woman, have no fear because we go into a lot of depth in this podcast and you are going to get so much out of it just by listening, reflecting on yourself, and really just taking the time to maybe see and understand codependence in a different way that you didn't before. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. I'm so excited to be here with Cheryl Feidelman, the Conscious Codependence Coach. And we're going to just get right into it, Cheryl. So how would you define codependence? Good question. So the way that I define codependence is anytime we're outsourcing our experience. So in other words, Um, I'm happy because somebody else is happy. I'm scared because somebody else is not making me feel safe, right? So my sense of happiness or safety, or I'm angry because of somebody else, right? Or I feel that they're not seeing me. They're not understanding me. So everything is about somebody else. We have a feeling or experience and we point to somebody else as the source of or creator of our experience, which 
also leads to another aspect of codependence, which is we are more focused on other people's realities than our own reality. Mm. I think that is so important. That one right there, focusing on other people's realities than our own. Please elaborate. mm. (laughs) Yeah. And so codependence can often seem like a lot of us codependent. And so, you know, for, for the listeners, I want you all to know that you don't have to identify as codependents, right? Some people that I work with, they identify as codependent. Some people are like, oh, I don't really identify as totally codependent, but I have some codependent habits or tendencies that I'd like to work on. So either camp, you know, this this work is will will provide something for you. Um, so codependence is often the illusion of intimacy, right? Or the illusion of being an an empath. Oh, I'm an empath because I know people or I know my partner so well. I know them in and out. I know how they work. Oftentimes we know so much more about another person than we even know about ourselves because we are so focused outside of ourselves. And so conscious codependence recovery, which is the path and process of my work, is bringing us back to ourselves and knowing ourselves so well that this is the person, the self is the person to get to know, to get to love, to know what we're scared of, to get to know how we interpret things and what we make things mean and how we project outside of ourselves and what we love and what we don't love and the ways in which we contort ourselves or reshape ourselves. And so we're looking at ourselves as the source and creative our creator of our experience as opposed to, oh, well, I'm contorting myself because this is what this person needs for their reality. And then there becomes what I call codependent resentment. We're contorting ourselves and then we resent the other person, <laughs> you know, that we are now like contorting ourselves and we think that we're doing it because we love them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is how codependence can disguise itself as intimacy. Well, I love you. And that's why I'm contorting myself for you. Can you do that for me? Or like, I don't really like this. And so oftentimes we don't have a voice. The things that we don't like to do that we do anyway, we don't say it. So it like sits in ourselves as repression and resentment of the other person. Um, Codependence is like a huge, for some of us, it's a huge act of sweeping things under the rug. But really... You know, it may look like, well, I can't tell them or say this to the other person. Really, you're not saying it to yourself. You're sweeping this stuff under your own rug. You're putting yourself in the dark. You're, you know, a lot of people point to other people as gaslighting them or not, not noticing what you're feeling or not honoring what you're feeling or telling yourself that you should feel some other way. Well, us codependents are just doing that to ourselves. What a wide range of emotions. And also, I mean, I think that this is a lot of people, right? A lot of people could fall into this codependence. And it's almost like I'm hearing there's almost like a spectrum too, where it's like some people might have some codependent tendencies, but then there's some people that are just full on sweeping under the rug, living in this sort of alternate reality that. They don't ever have the sense of self or their sense of this, their own anything. And their entire life is kind of preoccupied by other people or having to fit into somebody else's reality. And essentially, it's like you're taking this backseat to life and it's like somebody else is 
driving the car for you and you're never actually getting into that driver's seat and really living your life. I think even listening to that, just a couple minutes you, you talked there, in. so many, I know a lot of my listeners are going to have so many light bulbs going off saying, I didn't even realize that that's what I was doing was a codependent behavior. I want to address something really important that I think you said, which is that, you know, some people, and this is the camp that I was in, I was just like way more codependent than not. I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted to appease everybody, whether you were the male, like I wanted the mailman to like me. Like I was codependent across the board and some people are codependent across the board where they're just constantly in a state of trying to prove their goodness or their worth or their value. But some people are like, come to me and they're like, hey, Cheryl, like I totally, like at work, I can speak up. I have my boundaries. I know who I am. I have a solid identity. But with my spouse, like that's all out the window, right? Or with my spouse, everything's great, but I go to work and like, I have no idea who I am. I just want to appease everybody and I'm inferior to everybody. So for some people, it's like just in a, in a category of their life or in one relationship. And for some people, it's like across the board. Um there are some relationships, mostly romantic, but not always romantic, that highlight or trigger our unhealed trauma as children. They highlight or trigger the dyna- our childhood dynamic. They just do. Sometimes it's a romantic situation. Sometimes it's a boss, employee, friend, family member, where we go in other areas of my life, I'm great. I, I'm with this person and I'm 12 years old again. Like what's happening, right? Um, So, yeah, so to answer your question, I call it conscious codependence recovery because codependence in and of itself, for the most part, is an unconscious behavior. It's a dissociation from self. It's an automatic behavior pattern. And a lot of my clients, all of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, I've been codependent with my spouse for 20 years. I didn't even realize it. It was automatic. It was in my blind spot. I thought I was just being a good partner by not serving myself or or whatever. And then they become conscious of their codependence. and And then all of a sudden, like a page turns and they become conscious of their automatic patterns. And that is what my work is about. It's about highlighting all these unconscious blind spots of our codependent behavior. It's not necessarily about, you know, I'm not a healer or a coach that promises massive enlightenment and you're never going to be codependent again. And you're going to be just like a light spirit with no problems, right? I don't, it's not really the promise of my work. The promise of my work is that you will know yourself so well that your behaviors will no longer be unconscious and automatic. You may do a codependent thing, but you'll notice it. You'll know yourself so well that you'll know why you're making the decisions that you're making. You'll know why you're loving somebody. You will know how to receive love. You'll know what healthy love even is and what that feels like. You'll know if if some communication is coming at you and how you're interpreting that communication versus what that person actually meant. In our unconscious codependence, we lean more into our traumatic interpretation of how somebody is operating 
as opposed to how they're actually operating and our feeling and interpretation of it is often something triggered and separate. So we begin to unenmesh from people and have true full intimacy with who people actually are as opposed to who we think they are, or who we think they should be, or who we think we think they should be if we treat them really well. Codependence is an illusion of self and an illusion of other people. When we become sovereign beings and we unenmesh and we fully embody who we actually are, then our relationships become sober. And I don't mean sober like in a non-substance sense. They become sober in the sense you have no more projections. You're seeing people for who they are. Then you get to say, oh, this actually doesn't work for me. We're going to separate. Or now that I know who you actually are, I love you even more. I can <laughs> surrender to this even more. As opposed to for the last 10 years, you've been the person that I thought you were or that I wanted you to be or what or whatever it is, or I was some person that I thought I was supposed to be. And so we just become really, really, really sober about who we are and who other people are. And then like massive love can flow through. <laughs> yeah. I love so much about what you just said. And I kind of want to highlight just the idea of taking something that was unconscious, this automatic behavior that we have and becoming aware of it. This is where I think a lot of people don't get like, that's the, that's the work. That's the healing. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing that we have to do in order to change. I think a lot of times people are looking for, give me this thing to do. Oh, I'll do this meditation. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do, you know, just let me take this magic pill and have it go away. And these things that have been ingrained in you, you know, from childhood patterns that you've had since you've come into the world and you've been born into families and these things don't just go away because you want them to. They go away, you know, maybe they don't ever go away totally, but you can change by becoming aware of the pattern and then making a new decision. And that's that's really everything. So I love that you brought that up because I think so many people just they don't want to do the work because it's hard. You know, it's hard if you're somebody who has spent your entire life living to please other people, living to make other people happy, and you've contorted yourself to do this, it's tough to really take a look at that and take that step back and realize, oh, here I am doing it again. And I've got to choose that new way because the new way feels really scary. It feels hard, especially when you first start to change these kind of things. So I'd love if you could speak to maybe some of the resistance that you've seen in your clients when it comes to that and how you're able to move people past like the, okay, here's the old pattern. And how do we actually move into this new way? And what does that really look like? You're right that it takes a process and I have developed a very specific process. I have 52 distinctions of my work. This is a process that one moves through and comes out in alignment with themselves at the, at the end of the process. Um, the moments, maybe the crunchier moments or the moments of resistance, or I think what you're pointing to is moving people through a part of the process is number one, we get to know your unique default psychology, what I call your default psychology, which is the loudest voice of your youngest unhealed trauma. That's what we are filtering codependence through. 
for some of us, it's, you know, we get triggered, we default to unworthiness. We get triggered, we default to shock and repression. Or we get triggered and we default into people pleasing and over talking or proving, right? So we all have this place that we default to. And so we really start to distinguish the thoughts, sensations, and emotions, the body movements, the identity, even the way your default breathes, even the way you breathe when you're in your default. We get it to know it so well. That way you can start to know, oh my gosh, it just reacted from my default. I felt it. I felt myself go there. I felt myself turn into that, um, to that voice or that identity so that you can start navigating this instrument of yourself, like, like at mastery level. And then we start to learn the thoughts, sensations, emotions, who you are when you're in your true nature. When you're in your safe, creative, imaginative, expressed self. So the the piece I think that you're that I'm going to point to when it comes to resistance is when people go. So what you're telling me is my default is interpreting that this person is attacking me, and I think that that's true. What you're telling me is that's actually not what the person's doing. So to start to not have so much stake in what your default is telling you. For example, my default is I'm worthless and I'm ugly. Like that's my default. I know it sounds like really intense, but that's where I go. That's where I've gone my whole life around men, around jobs, around bosses. And so a lot of my work was like not interpreting and projecting that this person thinks I'm worthless and I'm ugly. Like I was projecting that into everybody else's minds and thinking that what they were saying, they were like subliminally telling me that. So a lot of codependence is projection, thinking we know what people are doing to us and thinking we know what they're saying and then reacting to what we think they're saying. Um, so th that's like, I think a lot of the rubber resistance is like, how do we as codependents know what's true in a moment of interaction with a person? And then we we also like a lot of us codependents are like, you know, what are people actually for? Like, if they're not to blame my experience on them, if they're not to need something from them or like need some sort of attention, like what are people actually for? And so anyway, we go through a process of that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really interesting because I you know I myself don't uh, have a lot of codependent traits. And not anymore. I would say that I used to in the sense of so many things I've done in like past relationships, being through toxic relationships and things, right? Where it's like, you know, completely losing yourself. And I, this is such a common thing when you're in toxic relationships is the loss of any sense of self, any identity. And this happens for a number of reasons, probably because there was like, you know, some level of codependence, but then there's a lot of manipulation over time and these kind of relationships and you just kind of get further and further away from yourself. And so I think it's really interesting even, but, but when you just say, oh, like my default setting is this, I think we all have that. Like whether you're codependent or not, I think everybody has like a default thing of like things start going away in their life. And it's like, yours might be, oh, I'm worthless. Mine's like, no one really likes me like this, you know, or nobody really wants me. No one really likes me. And it's been that way forever. And I find that 
every woman that I've ever worked with has something along those lines as well, where it's like the default, that voice in your head. And it goes back, you know, like you said, unhealed childhood trauma kind of stuff. But even when we get to the place where we feel like, you know, we've healed that, it still will come back sometimes. Things will happen. You'll still hear that little voice. But I think you get to the place where you can go, oh, yeah, there it is, versus it's the truth. And I think that's that's such a beautiful part of this process that you're talking about. It's just becoming aware of that. So in one sense, you've been living your whole life like this is the truth. This is how it is. And this is how the world is. And this is how people see me. And that's fact. And that's, you know, everybody has their own perception of what reality is. And then we create that to be our truth. And so when you start to chip away at that truth and say, okay, well, what if, what if that's not actually true? And how do I know that that's true all of the time? And then you can start to really see the other possibilities. And I think that's a really beautiful part about the work that you're doing is that you're getting people to move beyond the, really the self-created sort of prisons that people create for themselves. Because of if I believe that this about myself, I believe this about the world, that's ultimately what I'm going to see always. And really when I can change what's happening inside and I can change how I'm feeling inside, I can change the interpretations that I'm having of the world. Well, then I can really change a whole lot. So in your work, you talk a lot about um, the three tenets of conscious codependence. So I kind of want you to describe what even, what is that and how do you even come to that? So the three tenets are the want to be wanted, the need to be needed, and the need to prove oneself. This is the foundational methodology of my work. I'm going to need you to say those again. Hold on. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Want to be wanted. Want to be wanted, which is rooted in your sense of belonging. The need to be needed, which is rooted in our sense of safety. And the need to prove ourselves, which is rooted in our sense of self and identity. Mm-hmm. For those listening, you can go to CherylFeidelman.com. The link will probably be somewhere in the description of this podcast. Yes. You can put your email address in and get a free PDF. Get your free PDF. And it's a breakdown of the developmental roots of each tenant, common behavioral patterns, and some questions to customize it to your own experience. So those are my the three tenets of conscious codependence. And they're a great, <clears throat> they're a great reference point to to be able to sense like, is this a codependent moment for me? Am I coming from the want to be wanted or the need to be needed or the need to prove myself? Um, so so that's the answer to the, what are the three tenants questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can certainly go into those if you have any questions. So mm-hmm. the idea behind the three tenants is that at any time you're basically working or acting from one of these wounds essentially is that what's going on here like you're acting from the want to be wanted and or the need to be needed or the need to prove yourself mm-hmm. yeah yeah those are ways to identify codependent moments and what's interesting i think in our society is that you can get quite far with the need to prove yourself some very successful people have this sort of wound inside where it's like constantly nothing is is never enough and they have to prove themselves and they have to attain and attain and attain and achieve and achieve and achieve. And it's an interesting thing because that's quite rewarded in our society. But at what point is it 
dysfunctional? At what point is that a good thing of, you know, needing to prove yourself or is it dysfunctional? And how would you distinguish that? It's really up to the, um, I mean, it's a good thing that you're highlighting. I think it's really up to the individual. Like, I don't really have a broad stroke on that. I think that for a lot of us, our trauma has given us some of our greatest strengths. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's awesome. And I think that same trauma can, has a dark, can have a dark side to it. So, and, and I work with like my demographic, are, is is high achievers who identify as codependent. So for a lot of high achievers who identify as codependent, it could totally not be obvious, right? That you have some, that you have a relationship or more where you don't feel safe, where you don't feel expressed, where you don't feel like yourself because you have a good job and your bills are paid and you know everything kind of looks decent on the outside. But if you know, it's really up to the individual that if you're proving is proving more to other people about your worth and your value that, and is, and that proving to other people about your worth and your value is overlooking what you actually really might be super passionate about, which could have nothing, either nothing to do with what you, your job is, or you might be super passionate about leadership, but you don't have a leadership position at your job because you feel inferior. You know, a lot of us have like this inferiority complex where it's like, I feel so inferior to my boss. I just got to keep proving, 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 proving. Meanwhile, you might know in your mind you're way better than he might be at his job or, or she might be at their job, right? But you're like, I could totally lead this ship right now, but I'm too busy proving to my boss that like I'm good enough. And so you know, it all just all depends on how that proving sits in your system. Um, if you have a really, really great job as a result of you proving and that's okay with you, then it's okay. Then it's okay. It's just all up to the individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing because the, the trauma that we experience shapes us so much and so many great things can come out of it. And I think so much life is like finding that balancing act of really being able to heal the things that need to be healed and still, you know, you keep your essence, you keep your spirit. I've had clients before that were like, I don't know if I want to heal this thing because I'm such a hard worker and I've been able to achieve so much and I've done so many things that I'm like, we, you could still have that, but it doesn't have to come from a dysfunctional motivation or one that's not helping you. One where it's not for the betterment of yourself and your life. Like you could still keep being an achiever, but not have it be from a motivation that stems from the fact that you feel like you were traumatized when you were a child. Yeah. That highlights one of the distinctions of my work, which is future tripping. The codependence is a future tripping act. It's not a pres act of presence. Sovereignty and independence of being is an act of presence. Codependence is future tripping. It's if I do this or say that, then they're going to do this and they're going to say that, then they're going to feel that. So I'm actually not going to do it. I'm actually not going to say it. And by future tripping, we cause our codependent repression in the current moment, right? Or we have sex that we don't want to have because we go, well, I might have sex because if I just say no to the sex and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. They're not going to like me or someone's going to get mad or we're going to get abandoned or whatever it is. Conscious codependent recovery is an act of trusting and surrendering to the process, which isn't easy for a lot of people. A lot of people freak out. Well, if I heal all this stuff, 
then I'm going to have to get divorced. Or I'm going to have to change my job or I'm going to have to do this. We don't know that. We actually don't know that. You know, I can never tell people who they're going to be on the other side of the process because I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I can promise, promise that it's going to be way more aligned with your heart and your soul and your spirit than it is now. Because at the end of the day, when you spend your life as a codependent, you know, whether it's wanting to be wanted and how you show up in relationships because of that or the need to prove yourself and how you work yourself because of that at the end of the day, you're not really living your life, right? You're so disconnected from yourself and so disconnected from your own needs, wants, desires that you're just kind of existing. And I think that's a really... Um, I mean, it's one way to exist in the world, but it's certainly not the most enjoyable. It is one way to exist where we're not aligned with our own desires. But for a lot of us codependents, and I think we mentioned this before we pressed record about values, um, that, that for a lot of us codependents, we go, oh, getting aligned with myself sounds nice, but what is myself? Where is myself? I don't even know where that self is located. You know, the, you know, I say this a lot that like in the healing world, there's a lot of these phrases like self-help, self-love, self-awareness, self-values. And a lot of us go to codependents are like, well, that's really nice if you have a self to put that love and awareness to. <laughs> like, what if I don't? And so a lot of this work is actually about locating the self, actually locating the true you and living in full permission and surrender to be that. And if we look at it from a future tripping act, we go, oh, well, if I discover my real self, then I'm going to have to divorce this person or I'm going to have to, you know, make all these big changes. Well, we don't know. That's not really, that's not always true. You know, most of the time that's not true. Sometimes it is. I've had lots of clients like where I coach them through a divorce because now they're like, oh, this actual relationship is actually not, now that I know me, this is not me, this situation. But a lot of my clients fall deeper in love, right? Mm-hmm. Or they keep their job and get a promotion or, mm-hmm. you know, so we don't know how it's going to go. Um, but alignment with self and alignment with your freedom and your fun and your play and your excitement and your, and your, and your ability to, to make changes and your ability to um, say what you prefer in a way that is actually in service to yourself and others and not jolty or you know abandoning a lot of us are like i can't have preferences because if i have a preference and this whole thing's going to fall apart and so we hang our preferences on things falling apart which is why we may not have or say our preferences mm-hmm. um so we live in permission to exist with all parts of us with our open heart with our broken heart at the exact same time with our willingness to be intimate and vulnerable and scared and frightened and and happy and and still be us and the more pure we are the more purity of self that we bring to life the more like just genuinely fulfilling it is yeah and less scared less scary less scary more intimate more fun more love like all the all the stuff like give me the juice of life let's go so if somebody's mm-hmm. listening to this right now and they're like, oh my God, Cheryl, you're talking about me. I don't know self-love. What is, who's the self to love? Like who's the mm-hmm. self values? What are that? What do you think is like a, a good starting point to 
you know, start locating that self? Uh, well, in my work, we start with a 45 minute consultation to see if this work feels like a resonant fit. Um, so I can only say what we, the first step is in my work. I don't know. There's so many, there's so many things, healing modalities out there. So it all depends on what resonates with somebody, but my, the first steps in my work is nervous system healing. So we're going to locate where this proving, where this lack of belonging, where your sense of lack of sense of safety, where it locate is located in your nervous system. Because a lot of this stuff is not even at the cognitive or conscious level. Right. And a lot of us are having feelings and sensations in our nervous system and we're in cognitively interpreting them like as if we're not safe. And so a lot of my work is actually bringing our femininity back and our femininity is having an accurate interpretation of our sensations and emotions and actually expanding our threshold for feeling sensation and emotions and not clamping down and just making a decision. You know, oftentimes we, we, we set aside our sensations, our emotions, or we get flooded with sensation and emotion and we go, I got to fix something. I got to handle something. I do something. To bring back our femininity, regardless of what gender we identify as, is to be able to embody our sensations and emotions, fully embody them, and make a decision from there if there's a decision to make. So I, you know, I train people to actually fully stay in their body, in their spirit, in their soul, and much less in their brain. I work with a lot of analyzers who are just analyzing their way through relationships and through life. Overanalyzing, I think, is one of the biggest um, stucknesses that that I see as well. It's like everything is up here in this little part of your head. And I'm like, your head is maybe, you know, 10% of your body, right? Like, even if we're just looking at a human, do you really think that all the activity is supposed to be happening inside your little brain? It's really about getting down into your body, also, connecting. A sense of safety and surrender to not try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. A lot of this hamster wheel of thought is, is how we know how to figure things out and get through things and keep everything safe this illusion of safety. Another thing that we work on in my work is in your nervous system, learning how to know what the difference is between a real threat and a perceived threat. We're perceiving threats all the time. I think that's a lot, a lot of the reasons why a lot of us go through these toxic relationships. We're perceiving a threat from our partner and we feel like we, we have to be in service to that threat somehow. Mm -hmm. as opposed to going i don't feel safe i'm gonna leave okay bye <laughs> right mm -hmm. going, i don't feel safe so i have to handle it and i have to appease you and i have to do something for you and so that you calm down and you like me again and now we're safe mm -hmm. and then we also put a lot of power into their hands you know we hear this phrase all the time like, get your power back i you know it took me a while to even know what that meant and so from the point of view of conscious codependence recovery, what it means is that nobody has more of a say in how you should feel in what you should do and how you should be than yourself. Nobody has more of a say. Mm -hmm. 
took me a long time to get that. You know, I was always like had these boyfriends where I was like, you know, just whatever they said was just way more powerful than what I thought or wanted. Right. And then I wanted them to see me and understand me. I wanted to them to have eyesight they didn't have, which is goes to one of my theories that codependence is blind. We're not really seeing who people actually are. Well, right. You're just seeing the projection through your own thoughts, feelings, beliefs of other people. Yeah. The other thing I want to point to, and I hope that this resonates with some people, is what I call codependent shock. Because sometimes, you know, it's not that we have a preference and we know what it is and we're not saying it. Sometimes it's we're in so much shock, we don't even have, we don't even know what's going on here. We're like, you know, our, our nervous system gets flooded, our brain goes on pause, um, and we we just get, and so we acquiesce because we don't really have another option. We're just mm-hmm. kind of in shock. I, and and that ha- that used to happen to me a lot. I would go, oh, I don't really have any other option because I'm so in shock right now. I don't even know what else I would choose other than what you want. Okay, fine, right? And so this is a, a big part of the work that I do as well is not being shocked out of ourselves anymore. And... For some people who experience that kind of shock, I hope you can hear that, that there will no longer be a moment where you go, I'm blank, I I got nothing. I'm just going to go along with this thing. Because you are so embodied that you will know what's going on inside of you. And that's a beautiful place to be. And let's hope that through people like you out in the world doing this kind of work, we can continue to have more and more people that are actually living life in that way. I know for myself, having come from that place where definitely was in the troubled relationships and tied into codependency without even knowing it to now where it's very much my nature to say what I mean, mean what I say, make decisions for myself. And I can look back on that version of myself and really go like, I, I don't even recognize who that person was anymore that was capable of that. And truly for me in my work, that's what I well, that's what I want for everybody that comes into my world too, to look back at who you've been and how you've been and go, yeah, I, I, I love her. You know, she was, she's great, but that's not me anymore. And there's so much, I think that we could say about this too, because it's not just in relationships, but also I think women in particular, there's like societal expectations and things where women are taught to not have the bigger opinion or, you know, if we are too opinionated, we're a bitch. If we are the leaders, we're like too aggressive and we get all of these kind of messaging from society. So I think that it's really common to see this behavior in a lot of women because it's also just the society that we have all been growing up in that we get all of these messages the the female we give ourselves a lot to outside ideas we give ourselves a lot to outside ideas of what what's pretty what's pretty what's the lipstick i should get Mm -hmm. you know what are people wearing what's the right body you know we give ourselves we surrender it's in our 
biology to surrender, but we have to notice, okay, what are the things that we are surrendering to? Are we surrendering to so many outside ideas of what we should be? And that's, this is also part of conscious codependence recovery. It might also part be part of what you call a, a worshiped woman is when we truly trust ourselves. I'm going to speak up and you may think I'm being bitchy, but I know I'm not like, I know where I'm coming from. And this is also a huge part of really, really, really getting to know yourself. Right. You know, or you're going, okay, I know I'm being bitchy and I'm going to be bitchy and I'm giving myself permission to do that, that there aren't any outside forces, ideas, theories, cultures that are influencing you. And if there are, you are consciously choosing them. That we actually get to surrender to our own unique innate design as to surrendering to some outside idea of how we should be designed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cheryl, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today, being thank on The Worshipped Woman. And I am so excited to have you teach a masterclass in The Worshipped Woman membership. And I know all of the members yeah. are going to absolutely love that. If you want to share where people can find you, I will absolutely have all of your links in the show notes. But if you want to share where people can find you and learn more about you and your work. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah. So Cheryl Um, you'll go there. Uh, it'll explain, explain some stuff about my work, put your name and your email address in and for free, you'll get your free PDF of the three tenets of conscious codependence. Um, and then you'll be in the conscious codependence community. You'll get my, I put out lots of free content, free videos. We have a free and monthly conscious codependence class with the community. Um, you also get, you know, emails about discounts on programs and stuff. When you get your PDF, you'll also have an opportunity to book a free decode your codependence session with me. If you want to meet with me and talk to me and see if one of my programs feels like fit for you. Um, but yeah, go ahead and get your free PDF. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening.